0: Hey everybody, this is Rev with Team Overtalk. I am joined with my lovely friends, Vin and Fancy. We are going to be talking to you guys about several different topics today on episode four. We're going to be talking to you a little bit about XQC and this whole being like taken out and being fined for certain comments that he has made to another player. Then we're going to start talking a little bit about Overwatch League and tie it up a little bit how it all connects to possibly what you need to do on your team. So, let's see what's going on with you guys. How's everybody doing?
1: I'm good. Doing just fine. Yeah. Moved into my new basement apartment and, you know, doing great. <laughs> yeah, life, life
0: oh, is on. <laughs> what about you, Vin? How you doing, brother? Everything's going A-OK. <laughs> I can tell you sound so happy. No. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get into it a little bit. Let's talk about uh, XQC stuff here. I know it's a little bit, you know, happened already, but I think it's important to talk a little bit about about it. What he did? Do we really think it was as bad as it was? Do you think that this kind of fine was needed? And what does this mean for Dallas? All right. So
2: to start off, XQC has always been rather, I guess, unpredictable would be the best way to put it when he streams. You know, he has a lot, a lot of people who watch it. He really does. And so he has a huge fan base following. And so when he streams, you can watch his streams, I'll tell you. He, he goes a little crazy, I guess, for the best way to say it. He's a, little, he's a little out there. And he's known to being slightly toxic in the middle of games and to be saying these things. And I think he oftentimes does it without realizing it. And I'm not trying to defend the guy, but it does kind of fit his repertoire and his behavior. And I do agree with the ban and everything like that. But I think to be fair, this was not intentional, and I don't think he actually has anything out there against any homosexuals or gays or anything like that. I don't think the slur itself was actually targeted. It was just one of those, you know, statements that comes out. And the reason, just like any other sports arena, you know, NFL, NHL, MLB, you know, if a player makes one of those statements, well, you're gonna be uh, the the league's gonna come down and hit them hard. Because you can't be making any of those racy type statements in any environment that's going to have hundreds of thousands of people watching. And the truth is Overwatch League does have that amount of people watching. And I think this was a statement play. They didn't make it an absolute killer. But it was just a $2,000 fine and a little bit like, I can't remember the exact thing, but a little bit of, of Season 1. Dallas took it a step further and said, no, no, no. For the entire first stage, we're not going to play you. So Dallas, the team, made an even stronger statement saying that we're not going to play you even though the league's not going to go this hard. Because everyone wants that recognition of saying, hey, this is what our team believes. We're going to stick by this, and if you violate the rules, it's that. And I think it's just them trying to – the league trying to put themselves in a situation where people can say, hey, it's a reputable league. They care about everyone and this is what we want to this is what we want to represent.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, well, you know, Overwatch has always been dealing with toxicity as a being a a big killer for them. I mean, as great as this game is, and maybe that's part of the reason why there's so much toxicity that that players deal with on a regular basis, I think these kind of comments they're trying to get it far, get Overwatch as far away from that. So people don't see that as connected. And it's going to, it's kind of like an impossible battle. But in these situations, you got to kind of step in and put that kind of pressure on them. And I, and even though Dallas took it a step further, I think that it, 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 it helps solidify that mentality like, this isn't going to be acceptable. We may like you, we may want you to play, but you have to set yourself to a higher standard. Um, Fancy, what do you think?
1: Well, xqc has always been an interesting one right he's always been one of those characters that you just want to see on stage he's got a big personality and i think some of that personality slipped a little bit during one of his streams Mm -hmm. um i think it was a bit too harsh because if i don't if i remember correctly i'm pretty sure the guy is bipolar i think so he has a good understanding of what it's like to you know be himself and sometimes Mm -hmm. he just can't control himself and when you're streaming for that amount of time it's hard to like control yourself fully you know because when he streams he doesn't really have a chance to you know go back and edit whatever he did or whatever he said so when you're streaming it's like an invitation into your home and you know i don't think it's that big a deal that he said those things because the viewer can just instantly you know turn him off So I think it was a bit too harsh what the league did and what Dallas Fuel is doing, but that's just my take. I think it's just a little too much. XCC is a cool guy. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Um, He's a great Winston player, so love that. (laughs) But, yeah, that's my take. Well, well,
0: let me ask you this. Like, um, do you think that maybe – because he's still a a huge streamer and he's trying to do – You know, professional. It's kind of a it's kind of a a juggling act. Do you think that that might be part of the reason why he's running into this kind of issues on stage?
1: Oh, for sure. The league in itself is still in in a not a good stage at the moment. It's it's just beginning, right? So all these players Mm -hmm. they're not used to these regulations that have been put on them. Because from what I've read and what I've seen about The Overwatch League—it's the most organized and rule-set league that they're trying to do because this is a big-scale type of thing that they're trying to do. And the tournaments before that, esports, exactly—they're trying to change esports into a professional career path. And before that, Overwatch didn't really have that; have that those rules weren't really in place to the level that the Overwatch League hold itself to. So yeah, I think it was a bit too much.
0: Yeah. Well, l- well let me guys ask you this. So, so now that XQC is kind of out of the picture. Do you think this is going to be good for Dallas or bad? I mean know that they're going to, they're planning on making him, you know, work even harder in his, in his downtime here. Cause he's not going to be like relaxing. They're going to be focused, fo- more, uh, more focused coaching. Uh, they're even talking about physical training and, and a lot of support for him. So this isn't going to be where he's just like, Oh, well he's off and he's like twiddling his thumbs on the bench. He's going to be working harder. But for the rest of the team, do you think that this is going to make it easier for them to select their starting six? Because we've talked about this before. We really feel like Dallas' biggest problem is they try to play everybody like a superstar. Do you think something like this is going to help redirect their attention into their six, or do you think they're still going to have the same issues? What do you think, Ben?
2: I think in, in regards to the Dallas field, this is one of those – Uh, catch-22 type situations. And you could easily say that it helps them... and you can easily say it hurts them. But the situation is... they're going to be in trouble... if they spend too much time... trying to replace him. Because when the time comes for him to come back... where's his place going to be... now that you had another tank player... try to fulfill the role that he did. But at the same time... if you don't try to fill that void that he has... Your team's going to be in a serious, you know, serious gap. And so it's a lose lose situation from this. But there is one one small little perk that I guess you can do, and it solidifies a starting spot. And mm-hmm. at least knowing where you're going to be and who's going to be playing, you can at least build a comp around that. You can build synergies around that. Instead of having to play everyone, they know that XQC will not be their other tank. So that leaves all their other tanks, you know, the two of them that, that they're going to be playing, they're just going to be like, okay, so we got to pick up the slack, you know. Coco's going to come in there and he's going to have to play at the level of XQC does, even though it's not his strongest suit as Winston, it's, as, as we've clearly seen in the league, you know, it's not his strong suit, but I think it will help solidify a better communication base between the tanks and that has been something that they severely lacked so this is something that you could say yeah. it's a positive and a negative negative.
0: and what do you think fancy what's your thoughts
1: um i think it helps them because of the fact that yeah now you have your starting six um and you know they can build around that and they can try to improve themselves even if coco this isn't coco's best role they have that starting six now so now they can continue to try to build on synergy as opposed to trying to input different crazy strats which were they were trying to do before not to say that those crazy strats weren't working but i just think that with this it'll help them have their core and maybe we'll get a chance to see the old envious because mm-hmm. now we have our old roster and i can't wait to see what that's going to do i'm i have a feeling it's going to rock the rock the league a little bit because once you get those guys together it's it's hard to keep them from making from plays the, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we we're talking about the starting six but let's let's compare it to some of the other teams i mean how important is it to have that starting six in comparison to like switching everybody around i mean why why is it such an important thing not just on the pro level but like anybody that's trying to form a team like why is it so important to have that starting six
2: well that's a that's that's pretty simple
0: Honestly, and it's not a
2: very long answer, but it comes down to a couple things. Either you got one, you have synergy. You know, people play together. You learn how each other plays. You know where each other are going to be eventually. You know what they're going to be doing. You know, when they're going to start panicking, when they're going to move in, when they're going to see an opportunity. You learn how they play. They're very simple. And having that ability is huge. You know, if you go into a bunch of solo queues and you have no idea how the rest of your team instigates, so if you see an opportunity... And you move in and you try to make a big play, but the rest of your team doesn't follow up. You're, you're, you just blew an ult possibly, and you might have just lost a team fight. But if you have a group that knows what you're going to do when they see that motion start, and they're going to follow you up on that, well, there you go. You might have just won yourself
0: a team fight. No, that's definitely important. I mean, I, I agree. And that's I mean, we're talking about that on our own level, and we see that happen all the time. I, I hate when I go into quick play and I play with a bunch of people because I'll try to sit and do the same stuff that I do with my team now, and I'm like, hey, guys, let's do this. And these people look at me like I'm a lunatic. So (laughs) it can be very frustrating at times. So And and I guess that's kind of what you run into when you're trying to run a whole bunch of different players because even though you're all playing together, if I'm switching this person out this game, the next game I'm switching these people out, it can cause a lot of confusion. So I I definitely think – so what we've seen from a lot of these other teams, the ones that are like – the ones that are winning the most, I would say that they generally have that starting lineup. Would you guys not agree?
1: Oh, I agree fully, actually.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, look at Seoul. Look, I mean, even though they had a, a tough loss against your team, fancy that you like to let everybody know so so thoroughly your New York team. But I mean, they generally have their so- solid six. Would you not agree? No,
2: that's, oh, clearly, clearly they do. I mean, they came in. They came into this. ...to this league with their team already completely intact. Like, this is... They, yeah. They've been playing with each other for years now. Literally, they were in the Apex together. So they knew coming into this... ...that this was going to be the team they were going to run. They already know that... ...they're, they're two subs of Bunny and Wicked. I mean... ...both of them knew they were going to be subs from the get-go. And they knew they were going to be taking that alternate DPS spot... ...because when Fled is in the lineup... Fleta is, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, DPS right now in the league. And I don't think you could ever make an agreement, or an argument, apologies, that any of those other DPS could just replace him. And having five out of your six completely chosen out that you're going to go into every single round knowing it's not going to change, I think that group that's already played so long together it almost doesn't matter who the sixth person is because they already have such communication when your only other spot's a tracer, and that's, you know, who should they usually have to sub in is one of their tracer mains. That's huge because the tracer's already playing off anyways, kind of doing a harassment thing. So it's almost as if they don't need yeah. to be in the communication. And I think that's why Soul yeah. is doing so well right now is because they have their main six, or their main five completely in... In sync with each other, and their six doesn't necessarily need to be.
0: Now, now, with that said, is awesome as Soul is doing. Let's let us let us let Fancy have a moment to uh, bask, yeah. bask in his victory. Yes. And and, and give us some thoughts on this, <laughs> about the New so, York Excelsior game.
1: You're not wrong in the fact that the starting six is always going to be that starting six. And Mike Excel has run with the same six people for a while now, um, and it's been the same lineup they switch in pine on control maps every once in a while and pine is like a boss that man is a legend on widow um so i just want to say that i love that man and i want to marry him someday anyway um (laughs) uh, the whole the whole reason why he he's they're doing so well is because they're using their subs correctly i think a lot of the the leagues like a lot of the teams on the league are using their subs incorrectly. Dallas feels a prime example for this. They use Pine when they need to use him, right? They bring him in on a control map where he's good. They use him where he's best. And that's probably how they beat NYXL or I mean sorry, I'm sorry. Soul Dynasty. And yeah, that's how they've been beating a lot of other teams. They bring out Pine on the third map and it's just like, "Uh-oh, that's it. Game's over." <laughs> Cuz that, you know, I- so I will fun. say
0: this: Pine has done some amazing stuff in this first leg of the of the first of season one of Overwatch League. Uh, he's been pretty impressive and making everybody want to be a McCree main. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that those those are my thoughts on that. They use the subs correctly, um, and there's no better answer to it than that. Um, and that's why they're doing so well in this entire season, because everyone else is playing around. And these guys are going hardcore every single time. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Ben, what are, what are your thoughts on the Seoul Dynasty versus New York Celtics game? It was actually a phenomenal game to watch, one of the best. I've, I've had the pleasure of
2: seeing. It. And to be honest, we've, every time I think I've seen the best game, and this has happened three weeks in a row now, Where I'm like, man, this has been the best game. Nothing's going to top it. Every week's been better. And I think this is yeah. everyone trying to finally rise to a level where – they felt out the competition. Everyone kind of sees who's, who's the best and where they want to be and where they need to be if they want to be in the playoffs. And they're already making pushes. People are deciding right now that we're not going to wait until stage three to start worrying about playoffs. They're doing that now. And I think that's so incredibly important because it raises the play of everybody. And that was absolutely yeah. insane. I mean, that match, man, it was great. And if you guys have not seen it, I fully encourage you to go and watch it. But before we go off in this tangent of of like who's better and you know you NYXL just crushed them because they were the better team. I think it came down to a lot of similarities in the play style. They're both Korean teams, and they both have that mindset of we play together. We are the stars, not this mentality of I am the star that we get from the Western. And I think yeah. that came in huge when. You saw these tanks that were so self-sacrificing for NYC that would go in and make a huge play and die in the process, but it opened up so much space for their DPS to make it count. You know, no one likes to go in there and die, but at least they know that if they die, they're making a difference. And I think that came in big time. In second, they won because they had excellent alt management. You know, it it went down to the very, very last wire, but they... They maintained their alt economy in a very great way. And they were always constantly on top of it. Now, of course, they had some mix-ups and it's a game, so there was economy switches that happened. But they did their best to just focus on making their alts count. And I think Soul struggled a little bit with that, which is why they, they failed in the end.
0: Yeah, I, that, that's true. But you know, for me, it was just kind of exciting because you know you want somebody to beat Soul... Dynasty, and every week you're thinking like, I don't know if this team's going to be able to do it. But to finally see that they're not this invincible, which, which we know they're not invincible, but to finally see it, I think that's also going to create a whole new mentality for other teams. Now they're going to see that, hey, they can be beaten. This is how they were beaten. And then, you know, like you said, every week it's like they people push themselves to the next level. And it's like this level keeps rising and rising and rising and we keep seeing these incredible games and – it just it gets better and better and better. I think something like this where you see soul lose is only going to create this this yearning, this this thirst to do that again from other teams. you know and I can't wait to see what happens in the, in the coming weeks <laughs> For sure. So I, I don't know, but as great as that game was, when we were offline then you brought up an interesting comment. And about as as awesome as that game was, you're you were more interested in a couple other matches. So, what? Tell us a little bit about what you were saying, because I, I I want the the people listening to this to to hear this.
2: Okay, so I'm I was, I'm a bit of a little Overwatch nerd, I guess you could say. If you guys haven't figured that out by now, a little bit.
0: Just 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 I a little bit. I absolutely
2: love watching and breaking down the plays. So <laughs> I. Well, I'll rewatch some of these games multiple times over, because I like to see how it happened. How did the team beat the other team? It doesn't matter which two teams are playing. And I found out something that was really interesting, that these teams finally cracked a code. And it started with the Boston Uprising's win over the London Spitfire, which nobody saw coming. I mean, Uprising was not a bad team to begin with. They were never a top-tier team, and to be honest, they still aren't. But they came in, and they finally got rid of that mentality of I. And I think that's all that made the difference with them. They decided that it's not going to be I. They didn't have any players that tried to play the hero. They finally looked like they were a team. And when they, they dove, they dove together. And when they died, they died together. There was no picks on the left and the right, and someone trying to be a hero and wasting alts. No, it was we live or we die and it's going to be together. And I think that mentality has finally stuck with them and I think I think that's all it took for them, Boston uprising And you could say what you want that the Spitfire or were, were not playing on all cylinders and they were making some mistakes, which is true the Spitfire, oh boy, they made some critical mistakes and I think honestly, I think what happened was they kind of had a little bit of that Western mentality kind of sneak in. Because Bird Ring over there, which is oh my goodness, he's probably the second or third best DPS in the league right now. He's absolutely playing the lights out, ridiculous widow player. But he's making plays that kinda seemed almost selfish. And he ended up costing costing a lot because his death that couldn't get rezzed or his death that forced the team out of position. And that's all it took for Boston to completely and utterly take advantage of that. And I think it's this mentality that it all comes down to. You know, Both teams were playing really well. I mean, the tanks were on it for both teams, which is why it went all the way to Game 5. And same thing happened with your team, Fancy, the Excelsior. Philadelphia came in, and boy, oh boy, we've said it once and we'll say it again. Carpe and Shadowburn are a dangerous duo. My goodness, are they dangerous. <laughs> and they proved it Scary, today. And it wasn't this, there was no eye. It was clean play. That is how they won. I don't even think the Fusion were necessarily better than Excelsior. I actually don't. But they played cleanly. Their, their wins were clean wins, you know. There was not a lot of these in-between moments where you saw Carpe and Shadowburn would target the same person, and that person would be dead from the beginning. You know, those tanks kept their their DPS alive as long as they could. They took so much of that damage so that their DPS could get the damage out first. And that's all it took to beat these guys. And again, it went all the way to to, to Game 5. And it, and it stressed to the very limits of this team. But for the first time in eSport history of Overwatch, which, even though this is the first year for the League, This has been going on since Overwatch has been coming out. Two Western teams, completely in the Western culture, have finally elevated their play to a point that they could beat the Korean culture, which has dominated this esport, which is the first big change. And if we start seeing all these other teams doing this, I think the whole of Overwatch is going to get a whole lot more entertaining.
0: We know, I, I agree with you because I think if we if people who watch this see it on the pro level and they start to realize – because we already know this. Overwatch is not a game about you or me. It's about us. And you can be the greatest DPS player. You can be the greatest healer. You can be the greatest tank. But if you're not playing as part of a cohesive unit, a cog in the bigger picture, you're going to lose to the team that is. And I, like you said, we, we saw that because so – you know. Honestly, Soul Dynasty might be the better team. Um, Same thing with Excelsior versus uh, Fusion. They might be the better team, as in who their stats are. But in those particular games, they got outplayed because the other teams were playing as a cohesive unit. It's that simple. And I I think it's really interesting. And I I hope that these teams that did that, this isn't just like a... um, like a fluke, like okay, we did that this week, but next week we're going to go back to our old thing. I would love to see how their how their game level changes if this becomes their their norm. You know, if 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 these teams start playing like that on the normal basis, not you know not just against each other but against the the Eastern culture, I really think that Overwatch League is going to go to a whole other level, and I think it's going to change the way people play here in the states. The people that pay attention to it, anyways, I think people are going to start focusing more on team play and not so much on individual play. And maybe I'm just being hopeful on that. (laughs) What do you think, fancy?
1: I think that it's going to make things so much more interesting. Um, And I really do have a belief that most people do tend to watch at least a couple of games of the overwatch league, or they try to follow it. I mean, for God's sakes, the, you can literally click on it and follow the link from your client. So I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more interesting plays. And I know for certain that uh, my team, <laughs> I want them to continue to watch the Overwatch League because it continues to impress me and give me ideas on how I can improve my own team. Um, and you said it yourself, Rev. You know this, The Overwatch League, we need to be watching this consistently because this is top-level gameplay. And if you're not watching it, then you're just screwing yourself because it's the best gameplay there is. And we have to be watching it to be taking inspiration from it. Not necessarily taking notes. notes. Exactly. Taking notes, homework for my team. (laughs) That's what it is. That's all your watch league is. (laughs) It it has this crazy
2: effect actually, where everyone kind of thinks that it's this pro play and they're in a different league. And while that may be true, people don't realize that every meta, these teams are defining what the meta is. The meta is not taken from the uh, bottom of the teams and comes up to perfection. No, it is caused by these teams going crazy. Let's, For example, let's talk about that triple tank meta back in Season 3. It didn't happen because these bronze groups that play together all of a sudden like, hey, we can't do anything. Let's do triple tank. One day, this group... And one of the pro teams was like, hey, Anna is a little overpowered right now in her terms of healing. Why don't we just use Roadhog's hook and DPS potential? Because this was back when that hook was ridiculous, and it hit everything. And let's <laughs> use this... All,
0: back then, all of Hog was ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> was but
2: beyond. that's how they did it, and nothing died. Half those fights were extended because nothing would die with an Anna and a Roadhog. Because it was this shield break game where... First team to break the Reinhardt shield really won because then the other team got a major hook and the Roadhog carried. And that's what it was. It was not about the DPS carrying. It was Roadhog. But it came from the top down. And so when we see these Overwatch teams stretch to their very limit, they're going to start going with crazy ideas, which we're going to see and then we're going to start emulating in our gameplay. So all, the cuts, all of a sudden, no, it's no longer this meta versus meta, but sometimes you get, to get these... Crazy strats like the pirate ship. The pirate ship was also created by the pros team. And so we get to have fun ways to play this game and not get bored of it because other people are deciding which way to pave. And I think that's really important that everyone realize where it comes from.
0: Well, speaking on that stuff, I mean, think about it. A couple seasons ago, if somebody selected Widow, everybody was like tilted right from the start. Like, what the hell? Widow's no good. Like, are you an idiot? Get off a of Widow. And now you see what these pros do with it and people are starting to bring that down into the the lower tiers and you don't see people complain about a widow as much, you know, like it it still happens if the widow is a terrible widow, but that's going to happen if no matter what role you're on. But like, I remember when I would log into a comp match and if somebody like clicked widow, everybody would like flip out. Like, why are you playing widow? Widow's no good. She's useless. But these pros are showing you how to use her. And if you're doing your homework and you're using it, 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 it changes the entire thing. It's it, when, you, when you look back through the game and look at all the different metas and how, depending on what characters were there and what, what the pros were doing, what was popular, it's really crazy to see how much this game has evolved and how much every season you, you, there's changes, which is what is kind of like the appeal of this game. You keep coming back to it because every, every time you play it, something's going to be different. And, I think that is the biggest advantage of it. And these pros are helping people find new ways to play the game. So, yeah, if you're not watching uh, the, uh, the Overwatch League, you need to be watching Overwatch League if you are playing this game. I mean, you don't have to watch it if, you know to, to pick a team and be a fan, but you should be watching it, like Fancy said earlier, as research, as homework, because you're going to be seeing things and learning things that you didn't even think was possible. I think I talked about last week when people are using Widow on defense on Temple of Anubis and they're pulling her back to where usually the attacking Widow is. I never even thought about that until I saw it. Now I'm like, man, we need to get our guys doing this. <laughs> and I think it's stuff like that that makes a huge difference and changes the whole gameplay.
1: The meta's shifting. I can hear it. It's gonna change. My mercy <laughs> is no longer gonna be my main. And I'm so excited. Well, <laughs> well, I
0: don't think well, I we're we're really good talking but I don't think Mercy's ever really gonna go away unless they get rid of her res. And they're not, they've already said very adamantly that they have no intentions of ever getting rid of the res. So but I do think that she will be picked a little bit less once they get this all sorted out. And I and As much as I love Mercy, I am excited to see that because you and I both talk about it. We both get stuck on that character all the time. And it it would be nice to be able to play a game and not need a Mercy to win. Like, you know, the only time you don't need a Mercy in this game right now is if the other other team isn't running to Mercy. If they're running to Mercy and you're not, nine times out of ten you're going to lose. And I don't like that. And I don't think anybody does. So I look forward to seeing these changes and I want to see what it does for the, for the whole meta itself. Plus the new character that's coming out soon. Can't wait to find out about that. Yeah.
2: That that is kind (laughs) of interesting. You say that, and it actually kind of reminds me of something in the Overwatch League of the teams that don't have a starting lineup already set up. And the teams that use a lot of subbing are nine times out of 10 going to lose. And we see that in Houston, not performing the way they're supposed to in Dallas, not performing the way they're supposed to. But these other teams, such as, I mean, even uh, Boston Uprising, who they don't really switch in their subs that often. You know, they made some comebacks, and now they're 3-3, three and three, and everyone thought they were going to be way lower. And the Philadelphia Fusion, who pretty much used the same six, and Los Angeles Valiant, who use pretty much the same six, except for a, a, an in-and-out every now and then. And I think that leads us to the next point, which is, how do you decide what your first six are going to be and why do we need subs in the first place? And I think the best way to describe that is you need to figure out what type of team you're going to be fielding when you're going to decide who your top six is. Because, of course, you know, if if you're just doing this for fun and it's just you and some players that are playing around and they're just friends of yours and you kind of have specializations, that's one thing. But a lot of people go out, and they actively search for teams. I mean, you can look on Reddit, and there's other sites, you know, looking for team, and people are actively searching for people to just be on an Overwatch team with, and they're looking for specific roles. So we get into this situation where you, as the captain, are put in the situation where you have to decide who your starting six is going to be. Well, how do you do that?
0: I don't know. Fancy? How would it's you do that? Not easy.
1: I can tell you that <laughs> much. It's not an easy to do, because. Say you run tryouts, right? You're going to run tryouts and you have 12 people show up. You can't have all 12 people. So what do you do? You have to pick and choose the personality types. And this is going back to the episodes that we've had before. But you have to choose the right people that you know have the right personality. And from there, you can build your base. Um, And that's what I did and i think that's the best way of going about it is you just have to pick the right people for the job and you have to lay down some rules at the very get go to make sure that you can continue to do it but but choosing a starting six and you have say you have nine people cuz that's that's currently my situation right now i'm at we're at a wall right let me describe my team we're at a wall and we need to we need to fix this wall right we need to we need to get, need to get through the wall and the only way of doing that i think and we've talked at length about this behind the scenes me and rev is to do a starting sticks to have a starting six to have that cohesion because right now i'm leading a team of a really great group of guys that are a lot of fun to play with but sometimes they don't make it sometimes sometimes they don't make it they make bad decisions or they're not there all the time and you know cohesion is a hard thing to build when no one shows up to practice or they're not playing the roles that they were on originally and that's a big mm-hmm. thing that we've been dealing with lately is we've had to have people flex onto different roles so you you, you know these people that are supposed to be playing support tank and dps are sometimes playing a tank. Some playing playing dps sometimes playing support so it makes it really difficult for us to have our starting six practice their starting roles and um
0: it makes it hard for people to really connect with each other and know where like like vin said earlier like the advantage of having the starting six is you know where you're going to be you start playing you know what to expect from that person in that role but right now like we've hit that wall and it's like well who's going to be doing this and then they play a little bit differently than this person when he plays that role. And we just haven't been able to nail that down. Now, like today in the in the open division, we played against a diamond master team. Now, keep in mind, in open division, you know, you play against people that are way outside your rank because we've, we've lost to some grandmaster teams. But we actually played really solidly, solidly against this uh, diamond and master team. And I think we have like maybe one or two diamonds on our team and everybody else is like plat. So for us to be able to... We, we lost the match, but we actually played almost at their level. And I honestly, honest to God, believe that if we had a starting six that, const- that actually played on a normal with, with each other and we actually had a better system for the subs, that we would have destroyed these guys because they were not better than us. They just – communicated better with each other they played as a team like what we were saying earlier the team that plays as a team is going to win it doesn't matter who's the better team because i truly felt like we were better players but i felt like they were a better team and yeah we we got we got to nail that down and that's what we're running into right now so it's really interesting to see the teams in overwatch league that are going through the same stuff that we're going through versus the teams that already have it nailed down it makes a huge difference
1: Yeah, and I'd like to add something else to that. I think I have a solution for that for those at home that are going through the same things as us. Um, You have to figure out the personality type and you have to nail down who's going to be coming to practice, who's going to commit. You have to decide who's going to commit to your team. You have to figure out who that person is going to be. And once you do that, it's easy. Um, and I think I said this right at the beginning. You have to, after you have so many weeks, so many months, you have to figure out, okay, who's going to actually commit and perform on my team? And and I think that's the that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, some some little advice for those at home. Something
2: I think that all you captains out there who are the ones leading the team, team, that you guys really need to realize, and some of you may not like hearing this, and I know my buddy Fancy here, he's kind of always... I always didn't like this much either, but sometimes you just have to be the bad guy. You are trying to build a team here, and you want to win, and you know what you have in your mind, and you are the captain, and you are also the GM. You know, there is no split role for you guys. You are the coach, you are the captain, you're the GM, you're all of that. You are in charge of helping your team out. Your team should be listening to you, they should be looking up to you, and they need to understand what their roles are. And, And that's where sometimes you gotta get down and get strict. And when I formed my team, we had a little bit of issues at the very beginning because we had so many issues with the subs. And eventually I just said, all right, enough. This is going to be your role. This is your sub, period. And then when I'd sub the kids, the and, people in, and eventually things got together. And we started at a silver level team and got all the way up to some of us are diamond now. And just because we've had the same six.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and here's another thing. If you're worried about people not feeling like they're part of the team, you can have your subs practicing together and like quick play while they're waiting. But I think the better thing to do is have them watch whoever they're watching and learning from them and maybe even giving them pointers. So like if you're doing a quick play match with your starting six, have your subs watch and learn or even say, hey, like watch out over there. Like you can have them give them little things here. These are just things to keep people involved if you're afraid that somebody's going to be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, let's get you better and let's see if you can help the the guy that's in, that's in your spot that you want to take get better because we're all part of the same team. So there's things you can do to incorporate everybody and make sure they don't feel like they're you know sitting outside the game and not getting to be a part of the team. Because when people are on these teams, they want to be part of the team, whether it's playing in the game or feeling like whatever they're doing matters. So involve them. Have them watch the, the matches if, if you're in it as long as it's not comp. Um, and it, or have them play together in their own thing. So they're working on their roles, even when they're not playing in the six stack. So it, it's, you can, there's ways to sit there and try to divert uh, animosity. And, but you got to figure out what's working best for each of your team members.
2: Another thing about having subs that, that is really important is this is a natural thing of any sports team. It creates competition. A little bit of healthy competition is so crucial for your team. Everyone wants to have a starting spot, but the truth of the matter is there's only six spots available, and you're only going to have your best six playing if you want to win. That's in any sport. Whether you're playing football and you need the best 11 on the field, or you're playing hockey, then you need the best six. No matter what sport you're playing, you're going to need your top players. And by having someone out there who's always gunning to take your spot, knowing that at any given moment, you might lose your starting job, it's... It's a big driver to actually want to come to practice. It's that driver of, I will come to practice. I will get better. I will listen to what my coach and my team has to say because I want to keep playing. And as long as everyone knows that nothing is completely permanent, everyone's going to have a chance like they can all of a sudden start. And that's going to make everyone on your team get better, not worse.
0: I think that's smart. I think it's good. So, I mean, I think – we're at a good point to, to call it tonight. Um, I know that you guys have some stuff you guys got to get done. I think that we covered some really good stuff. We talked about the Overwatch teams, uh, the importance of the six-man uh, six starting lineup in those teams, and how how the teams that aren't running that are being affected by it. And kind of showed how you know we can incorporate it into our own levels where we're at each as, in, as individual teams that, that aren't in the pro scene. So I think... I think the the key to today's uh, talk is when you're starting a team or you're on a team, whether you've hit a wall or you're just starting off, you got to try to establish your starting six because once you establish the starting six, you can start establishing strategies. You can start establishing uh, communication and people can really start feeling out where each of them are and what they're going to do. Then I know... I think it's you and Shrek. Like when you played Ryan, Shrek just like instinctively knew when to throw in the diva bomb. Right. And it, it's one of those things that you guys, it wasn't something you just did. It's from having that starting six and constantly playing together and just learning. This is what he's going to do. I know it, it becomes like just second nature. You know, Vin's going to throw the hammer down. So let me go in and boom. All of a sudden it was just like erratically <laughs> clockwork, but it would just happen. So I think, that's definitely the key here, you know, find your starting six and then build from there. You get your communication going, you start building strats and you can go from like Vince team did from silver all the way up to diamond. If you guys work hard at it. So I think that's a good spot to stop. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah. Good talk.
0: <laughs> good talk. <Wow. laughs> good over talk would be the correct term, sir. Good over talk. I see. <laughs> so all right. Well, I want to thank each of you guys for taking the time to talk tonight Um, And for everybody that's listening, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys. We hope – we're not professionals. We're not like – we're not pros. We're not on the pro team. um, But we have a good understanding of how the game works. I hope you guys see that. And we don't know everything, but we try to help wherever we can. So I hope you guys enjoy this and hope you learn something from it. Thank you guys for listening.